Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. We hope to enrich your life through reaching, serving, giving, and building. As you listen to this teaching, be inspired to fulfill your God-given destiny through the power of His Word. Luke chapter 15, and this is one of the more famous parables that Jesus told, and I just want to look at one piece of it, but kind of to recap it, and you've probably heard it, it's the parable of the prodigal son. So in Luke 15, Jesus is talking about the value of lost things, and he tells a story about a lost sheep, he tells a story about a lost coin, and then in this story, he tells the story of a lost son. And in this story, it's an incredible story. It's about a man, and it seems like from the story that he was fairly wealthy, and he had two sons. And one of his sons, imagine the audacity of this. One of his sons comes to him, the younger one, and says, look, Dad, I'm tired of being broke, and I'm tired of working, and when you die, I get half your money. Can I go ahead and have that half now? Can you imagine saying that to, to your parents? Or as a parent, your kid saying that? Well, I can fix some of it. You don't have to live here anymore. All right? And so he comes to, and basically what he's saying is, Dad, my life would be better off if you were dead. So can we pretend you're dead? Give me the money. I'll go have fun. All right? The dad does it, which is crazy. So the dad gives him the money, and the Bible says, kind of puts it under wild living. He goes out, and he just squanders it. He spends it all in what the Bible calls wild living. Immorality, parties, sin, craziness, and it doesn't last long. And so he runs through all of that money, no money, no friends, doesn't know what to do, gets a job that is probably the worst job a Jewish man could have because in that time, because of the Old Testament law, pigs were considered unclean, all right? Now pigs make vegetables edible, all right? Thank God for a ham hock and some greens. <laughs> but back then, they made, uh, that's one of the best parts of being a New Testament Christian. And so, you know, back then it was unclean. And so he got a job taking care of pigs and feeding pigs. And this is how bad it got. It got so bad that at one point he is feeding the pigs and he looks at the food that he's given the pigs and he's so hungry, he's wishing he could eat that. How many of you think he got what he deserved? All right, see right now you're being all spiritual because it's a biblical story. But if you read this in the advocate, you'd be like, serves him right. Glad that happened to him. Can't believe he did that to his dad. All right. And let's be real this morning. And so he kind of gets there. And, but the Bible says he came to his senses. And so uh, he decides, okay, I'm going you know, to go back to my dad. The servants in my father's house that work for him, they have better living quarters and they are treated better than I'm right now. I have, and, and he kind of realized what's going on. He says, I have forfeited the right to be a son with, with what I did to my dad. So I'm going to go back to him and say, Dad, I know I can't be your son anymore, but can I be one of your hired servants? He goes back to his father, and it's a beautiful story. And the Bible says his father sees him a long way off and runs to him and hugs him and puts a robe around him and puts a, a ring on his finger and says, man, we are throwing a party. And man throws a party, kills the fatted calf, just amazing story, and brings him in. Now, have you ever watched the movie where you think it's over and then like the police officer realizes something that's in the report and there's another 10 minutes that just changes everything? Have that ever happened to you before? You're like, aren't those the best movies? You're like, I thought it was over and it got even better, all right? 
Jesus does that right here. So after that part, you would think the story would be over. Okay, the son was rebellious. He went away. He came to his senses. He came back thinking he's just going to be a servant. His father loved him. Man, that's an awesome story. But it doesn't end there. Look in Luke chapter 15, verse 25. Luke chapter 15, verse 25. And Jesus says this. Meanwhile, and if you're over 40 right now, you're thinking, back at the bat cave. All right. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field, which is where he should have been. He's doing everything right. He's working. Where am I at? Okay, the older son's in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him, what's going on? Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. Now look at verse 28. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. Can I just say right here, I'm on the older brother's side. I mean, doesn't that make sense? Let's, let's put this, we're going to read the rest of it later. Put this in kind of 2017 Louisiana terms. Okay, imagine you have one other sibling, and that sibling goes to your parents and says, look, can I have half of my inheritance now and just go party and forget y'all ever existed? And your parents did that. And so they take that money and they go out, man, and they don't live like they were raised. And they're doing everything crazy and breaking every rule and immorality and all this craziness. And meanwhile, August 2016, your parents' house floods. And you're the one in there pulling out all the sheetrock, loading it up in the trash can or whatever makeshift wheelbarrow you could have because Home Depot's out of them. All right, bringing them out to the edge of the yard, coming back, loading up more sheetrock, bringing it into the house, nailing up the sheetrock. How many of you are sick of sheetrock? I got sick of sheetrock a couple months ago. Put up all the sheetrock, help them paint it, help them get furniture and floors and all this kind of stuff. And you've done all that work and it's almost finished and you're in the back kind of sweeping up the last remnants and picking up some nails that were left. And in the living room, you start to hear music. You start to hear a little party. And you walk in, and man, no parking on the dance floors, playing in the living room. And you're like, what's going on? You get, you know, do, 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 do. And you walk in there, and your mom has just cooked a pot roast. She's like, look, your sibling is home. Isn't this amazing? And she's cooking a meal for him and cooking their favorite pie. And the dad's like, hey, come sit in my recliner that you bought, all right, because you're doing all the things. How many of you at that moment would be like that older brother? You would be angry and refuse to go in. All right, that would be me, okay? So I say all that to say I'm on the older brother's side. But look at what happens. All right, so where are we at? So the older brother was, became angry and refused to go in. And look at what he says. So his father went out and pleaded with him. Uh, but he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could go celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. Now, let me say this. I think there are two great truths in this story. The first great truth is the amazing, relentless love of the father. That no matter how far his son went away, he always welcomed him back in. 
And even the older son, when his older son stays outside, what does the father do? He goes outside to find him. And maybe some of you, that's the, that's the truth you need to hear this morning, is that the love of the father, you can never, ever run away from it. So the first great truth of this story is the power of the father's love. But the second great truth is the one we want to talk about today. There's the power of the father's love, but I want you to notice the power of unforgiveness. Because of these two sons, only one couldn't accept the father's love. And it wasn't the one that squandered the wealth. It wasn't the one that did all the immorality. It wasn't the one that we all agreed did all the crazy stuff. Who's the one that couldn't accept the father's love? It's the son who couldn't forgive. And I think one of the great truths of this story, we want to talk today about forgiveness. Because forgiveness is so important. Because unforgiveness will keep us from receiving the love of the Father. And I think it's so amazing to read this story and the whole way I'm looking at one son and every decision he makes is wrong. And another son, it seems like every decision they make is right, except for one, they refuse to forgive. And at the end of the story, one son is in the house receiving the love of the Father and the other one is outside in the cold. And I don't want to see that happen to me, and I don't want to see that happen to anyone else. That's why forgiveness is so important. You know, I thought about the fact that the Bible mentions the fruits of the Spirit. And everybody loves to talk about the fruits of the Spirit. They're amazing. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, those are great things to talk about. Those are, you know, the bananas of the spirit. I love bananas, all right, especially with peanut butter. I don't know what the peanut butter of the spirit is. All right, the bananas of the spirit, the mangoes of the spirit. Here's what I want to say today. I think forgiveness is the spinach of the spirit. Nobody gets excited about it, but you can't be a healthy Christian without it. In fact, I made a list. I think forgiveness is the spinach of the spirit. I think it's the kale of Christianity. I think it's our biblical Brussels sprouts, it's our spiritual squash, and our liturgical lima beans. You can't get excited talking about forgiveness. It's not a lot of fun to talk about, but it's something that every single one of us needs. I love what C.S. Lewis said. He says, everyone says forgiveness is a lovely idea until they have something to, until they have something to forgive. And forgiveness is necessary for our spiritual growth. But I think we have to know what forgiveness is and what it isn't. So I wrote down a couple things. The first one is this. Forgiveness is not a feeling, it's a choice. Forgiveness is not a feeling, it's a choice. I think one of the reasons forgiveness is so hard is because we never really feel like forgiving. Because if we have something to forgive, that means someone did something to us, so we probably don't have good feelings towards that person and we never feel like forgiving. That's why I think it's important to understand forgiveness is not a feeling, it's a choice. Feelings very seldom lead us in the right direction. I think most of the time, feelings lead us down the path of least resistance. I'll give you an example. This morning, when my alarm went off, I didn't feel like getting out of bed. It went off early, but I knew I had to get out of bed. Feelings usually lead us down the easiest path, the path of least resistance. And so if we always do only what we feel like, that doesn't lead to a successful life in any area of our life. And spiritually, it's the same thing. 
And so forgiveness is just not a feeling. And I say that for this reason too. I think we may, there may be some people that think they've never forgiven because they never have good feelings towards someone. And let me say, the good feelings may never come. But God never told us to feel like we forgave. He told us to forgive. Forgiveness is a choice. It's not a feeling. So here's my best chance at a, at a definition. I, I looked hard this week as I was studying to find a good definition of forgiveness. And I never found one that I liked totally. So I, can, I came up with my own. I'm sure this doesn't cover everything. But here's what I have. Forgiveness is a choice to stop letting what someone has done to you in the past distract or derail your future. All right? It, it's, you can clap your hands for that. It's not necessarily good feelings towards someone that has hurt you. It's a choice to stop letting what someone has done to you in the past distract or derail you from your future. Yesterday, I had two ball games out here at the HPAC. I watched one, one of my sons play, and I watched, and uh, one of them I coached. And if you walk around here at the HPAC on Saturdays, you'll hear this a lot because every kid hits the ball, and then what do they want to watch? They want to watch the ball. Here's the problem. The ball's going that way. And they're running this way. And you can't, once the ball leaves the bat, you can't have any impact on it. Looking at the ball doesn't make it go further or straighter. All right? All it does is slow you down from getting where you're going, which is first base. A choice to forgive is the, is the same thing. It's a choice to stop letting what someone has done to you in your past uh, distract or derail from your future. If we keep our eyes on something that we can't change anymore and we can't control, it pulls our energy away from where we're going. And I believe that God has each of us going somewhere. And for some people, that's a distraction. It every once in a while takes our eye this way. Unfortunately for some people, it derails them. It derails their whole life. And forgiveness is a choice to stop letting what someone has done distract or derail our future. Now, here's a few things that forgiveness does not mean, all right? Forgiveness does not mean we forget what happens. You know, you hear that forgive and forget. I don't even know if that's possible. There are some things in our life we will never forget. And so I think, I wonder sometimes if people are waiting to forget before they can forgive. I don't, I don't even know if that ever happens. Um, forgiveness does not mean life goes back to what it was. Life may never be the same. Now listen, I, I, you know, God is a wonderful God. He can do amazing things. He can make our life, and I believe he does, make our life better than it ever was. But that doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be the same. So forgiveness doesn't mean that, you know, life goes right back to what it was. You know, second thing, uh, the next thing is this. Forgiveness doesn't mean that we want or need to be around the person that hurt us. All right, there may just need to be a separation. And honestly, sometimes just for safety and, you know, depending on what it is, it doesn't mean that, you know, the whole relationship has been reconciled. Uh, the other thing is this, forgiveness doesn't mean that we don't fight for what is rightfully ours. There may be some people in our life that are constant adversaries because they're fighting against something that we're fighting for. You read that in the Bible. Jesus had adversaries his whole life. He fought for what was right, but that doesn't mean he didn't forgive. And, and I say those things because, and I want to kind of give this caveat to today. This was an easy message to prepare for and a tough one at the same time. It was easy because the Bible is super clear on forgiveness. I mean, we could get up here 
read 20 scriptures, kind of let you go home, and because and, it's super clear, all right? So in that sense, it was easy. Here's where it was tough, and, and I, I want to explain this, and I hope you'll hear my heart in this. You know, my thought when I preach is I want to be the first one at the altar, all right? And I don't mean here. Somewhere before I get up here, I want to have an altar call on what I'm preaching on because I'm not preaching on things that I do perfect. If I was preaching on things that I did perfectly, we'd been out already, all right? We'd already be at lunch. At two minutes, I'm done, all right? So I'm not preaching on things that I do perfectly. So as I'm studying, God's dealing with my heart. And, and so this week I was thinking, okay, who haven't I forgiven and how do I need to forgive? And, and, and I recognize some of those. But I also thought, and here's where I want you to hear my heart, that I'm sure there's people that I'm talking to today that you've experienced things that I can't imagine, that, that you've gone through things that I don't know if, if I could forgive. And so I want you to hear that heart as we speak truth, because the Bible is super clear on forgiveness, that I understand, I, I don't want you to think we take this lightly, that some people have gone through some really hard things. And that's why I want you to understand what forgiveness is and was it isn't, and it's a choice and, and not a feeling. So that's the first thing. The second thing is this. Forgiveness is not just about their sin, it's about my sin. And I think that's important. Jesus was very clear on this issue. Forgiveness is not just about their sin, it's about my sin. We don't forgive others because they deserve our forgiveness. We forgive them because we will need forgiveness. All right, and in, in Matthew chapter six, and it's interesting, in Matthew chapter six is the Lord's Prayer. And the Lord's Prayer can kind of be broken down, all right? So I hope I don't mess this up. Trust me that I do have it memorized, just not as smart or as clear as Pastor Mike Heyman, all right? And so you kind of break it down into sections, all right? The Lord's Prayer, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, or holy is name. That's, that's worship. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's obedience, all right? Give us this day our daily bread. That's provision. Forgive us our sins, our trespasses, as we forgive those who sin or trespass against us. That's forgiveness. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. That's direction. You realize of all those, there's only one that Jesus thought it was important enough to double back and go over again? That's verses 9 through 13. In verse 14, look at what Jesus said. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. They can't get any clearer than that. But just in case it didn't, he doubles back a third time and puts it in another way. This is a tough verse. Verse 15. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. The only person, my unfor the only person that my unforgiveness keeps out of heaven is me. The Bible is very clear that if I don't forgive others, Jesus won't forgive me. And that's why I say, I know there's some people here that have gone through some really hard things. And look, if I could find a loophole for some of you, I absolutely would. But the Bible doesn't give us any of that. In fact, in Mark 11, Jesus puts it another way. He says, when you stand praying, and what he means there is when you come into my presence, if you hold anything against anyone, and that's an interesting phrase because he says when you hold, I think unforgiveness is holding pain close to us. It's holding the past close to us. It's holding on to something. And, but look at this phrase, anything against anyone. 
Everything falls under that phrase. We say, well, okay, but what if they did this? Anything. But what if they're this kind of person? Anyone. He says, when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them. He doesn't say forgive them if you feel like it. Forgive them when you want. In fact, I I think it's important to notice how many commands are in the Bible that we think we have to feel, but the Bible makes it a command. It's like Paul in Philippians says, rejoice. It kind of puts an exclamation point. Well, what if I don't feel like rejoicing? Well, rejoice anyways. I'm commanding you to rejoice. Forgiveness is the same way. If you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that here's the reason why we forgive. Not so the other person's life will be better, not so we can help them out, not because they forgive us, but because they, they deserve it. Forgive them so that your father in heaven may forgive your sins. The Bible is very clear. Forgiveness is not about their sin. It's about my sin. The third thing is this. Forgiveness is not about my past. It's about my future. Forgiveness is not about my past. It's about my future. I love this verse in Philippians chapter 3. Paul talks about his goal, which is to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. And in verse 12, he says this. He says, not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But look what he says here. But one thing I do. I think that is the key to Paul's success. And I think that's one of the keys to life. One thing I do. I think one of the biggest problems that a lot of times I have is I want two things at the same time and they're in different directions. And I think that applies to forgiveness. I think sometimes I want everything that God has for me and I want to take revenge on this person. And what happens is we want both and we get neither. Paul, and Paul wrote this from prison. And he says, one thing I do. Then what does he follow up with? Forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. I think that's a picture of forgiveness. Forgetting what is behind, straining towards what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. That was Paul's goal. And I think that is, you know, you don't normally think of that scripture with forgiveness. But forgiveness helps us move forward. Unforgiveness ties us to the past. And so I thought of kind of three pictures of forgiveness with this in mind. Forgiveness does three things for us. Number one, it releases us from a weight. Forgiveness releases us from a weight. Unforgiveness ties us to someone who has hurt us. And it bonds our life with them. And what I think sometimes happens is we have lived so long with bitterness and anger and hurt We don't know what life would be like without that, and we're a little afraid of that future. And so even though bitterness and anger of hurt don't feel good, at least we're familiar with it. And so we have this weight in our life, and we're trying to move forward to what Paul said, toward the goal I press on and I strain ahead toward the goal for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus, but we're dragging this weight along with us. And we can't understand, it's like the older brother, The older brother had done everything right except for one and couldn't figure out why he didn't have a relationship with the father. And what unforgiveness does is it ties us and it's this weight. Forgiveness releases that weight. It's a choice to say, I'm not going to let this affect my future anymore. 
and it releases a weight that lets us move forward for everything that God has for us. So it releases a weight. The second thing, stick with me on this one, it changes our filter. I'm not good at changing filters, all right? Especially the air filter in my house. I'm always about a month after. Actually, I change it the day before the air conditioner man comes because I don't want to be embarrassed, all right? So what does a filter do? A filter stops some things and lets in others. I think all of us have a filter in our life. I don't know what your filter is. Sometimes I'm trying to figure out what my filter is, all right? For Paul, his filter was the goal for which God had called him heavenward in Christ Jesus. And that filter stopped some things from coming in his life, and they let other things in. When our filter is unforgiveness, it stops peace, it stops joy, it stops strength, it lets in anger, it lets in despair, it lets in powerlessness, I think that's one of the greatest tragedies of unforgiveness is we're focused on what something, what someone did to us and we feel powerless. And that filter of unforgiveness lets in powerlessness into our life and keeps out all of the things that brings us peace and joy. Forgiveness changes that filter and it blocks powerlessness, it blocks bitterness, it blocks anger, it lets in peace, it lets in strength, It lets in purpose. And that's why forgiveness is not really about the past. It's about the future. And so it changes our filter. I think the third thing it does, it releases the weight. It changes our filter. And it opens a door. You know, I think it's interesting that the crazy son ended up in the room with the father. And the responsible one ended up on the outside. He never got to go in the room that had what his father had been planning all along. I don't want to be left out of that room. Forgiveness opens up that door. And let let me say this, and again, mindful of the fact that there are people here that you've had terrible things done to you, often by bad people. And I would say this, and this is why why I like the story of the prodigal son instead of just the scriptures on forgiveness. Because as I read the prodigal son, I'm clear whose side I'm on. I'm on the older brother's side. And so there are, I think he deserved to feel the way that he, he, des, he felt, all right? And so I would say to some people here, you deserve to be angry. You deserve to be bitter. You deserve to be mad. You deserve revenge on the person who hurts you. But you also deserve to be happy. And I'm not sure you can be both, all right? And that's one of those things that's easy to say when you haven't gone through some, some, some things. But I believe that it's true. And sometimes we have to choose if we're going to stay on the outside or on the inside. I think the older brother had every right to stay on the outside and be mad. But that didn't make his day any better. And it didn't make the story end any better. And my heart, you know, as I prayed this week, probably the thing I prayed for most is that some people here that have every right to spend every single day for the rest of their life being mad at the person who hurt them would realize that doesn't make their life what it could be. And the, I won't say the greatest hurts, the double tragedy is not only what happens back here, it's what continues to happen 
every single day because God is calling you heavenward in Christ Jesus. And sometimes the only thing that can open up that door is forgiveness. And so forgiveness is not about our past. It's about our future. The last thing is this. Forgiveness is not weakness. It's strength. Forgiveness feels like weakness. And honestly, in a worldly point of view, it may be. But we don't have a worldly point of view. We have the mind of Christ. And the Bible gives us our perspective. Forgiveness is not weakness, it's strength. I think the greatest display of God's love and power was Jesus Christ on the cross. You could never, we spent our whole life trying to explain who God is. You could never do it if we filled, in fact, John said, if every book in the, in the world, every page was full, it still would not uh, have all the things that Jesus did just in his 30 years there. So you can never explain God. But if you were to say, what is one snapshot that best explains who God is? It is Jesus Christ on the cross. In fact, I remember as I was watching that movie, The Passion of the Christ, one of the things that struck me is how, in a sense, out of control he was. I don't mean out of control like crazy. Like soldiers are in charge of him. They're throwing him around. They think they're stronger. They didn't understand who they had. And then he allows himself to be nailed on the cross. And not only that, as he's on that cross, what does he say? Father, forgive them. I think possibly the most powerful words ever spoken by a human. For the creator of heaven and earth to go through all he had gone through, and not just physically, but betrayal. And as it was happening, not only did he forgive them, he was praying for them. It's almost as if he stood on their side and spoke up for them when they didn't know enough to speak up for themselves. That's strength. I think that is God at his clearest, revealed at his clearest. So what that means is when we forgive, that same strength is operating through us. I don't know if there's ever a time when God's power moves, moves through us any stronger or any more effectively than when we forgive someone who doesn't deserve it. You know, Jesus didn't heal people from the cross. He could have. He forgave people from the cross. And when we think of godly power, we think of so many things and miracles and sermons and all this kind of stuff. I think the greatest strength, the greatest miracle is forgiveness. And I think of what, what Paul said in 2 Corinthians. And I think 2 Corinthians has a lot to do with forgiveness because in 2 Corinthians, Paul is writing to a group of people that he has given his life for. And then they kind of turned against him, started talking bad about him, criticizing him. And he writes back to them. He says this. He says, I prayed to God, and this is what God said. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. You know, I think it's interesting there. Hardships and difficulties, sometimes those just happen. Insults and persecution, somebody did that. 
Paul says, I delight in those because when I am weak, I am strong. And one of the things that I've seen over and over through the people of this church, and it's amazing, I think it's the greatest power of God ever, is to see people who the worst day of their life becomes the greatest gift to someone else. Because what God did through that and through them and in them, they're able to share with somebody else and proclaim the love and power of God through a situation that honestly I believe no preacher ever could. And there are some of you here today that you've had something done to you that if you could go back and erase it, you would in a heartbeat. But God wants to use it. And that's why forgiveness is not strength. It is the power of God that is gonna bring a miracle in someone else's life. God is gonna use you in a way that he never could have used you before. And forgiveness opens up the door to all that. Thank you for listening. For more information about Healing Place Church, go to healingplacechurch.org or give us a call at 225-753-2273.